Welcome today. As my dad David shares from his heart, this short biblically-based devotional. David is a speaker, author, former pastor, songwriter, and founding director of Youth with the Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, and I know his message will be encouraging to you. It was late spring, sometime in the late 80s, perhaps 1987 or 88, when I was asked to attend a special YWAM North American Leadership Conference in Niagara Falls. Based directors and their co-leaders from across Canada, the U.S., and Mexico were there in attendance for the three-day event. And as always, when participating in the greater YWAM family gatherings, it was a special shoulder-to-shoulder time Another opportunity to be encouraged by visionary leaders, to hear some amazing guest speakers, to worship our God together, and a time to further bond with our fellow kingdom workers, both in small groups and one-on-one. There was a certain one-on-one time I will always fondly remember. It was during a short lunch break that I had the opportunity to sit next to someone that I had never spoken with before, and it was someone who had profoundly impacted Kathy's and my life, like no one else ever had before or since. I would describe this person as a kingdom warrior of the First Order. As I saw it, even during our mostly quiet lunch, this was a person, our guest speaker of that day, who, like Jesus, was solely dedicated, passionately dedicated, to doing the Father's business. Let's pause there. And for a minute, let's ponder this passionate dedication of Jesus, which was obvious to others, even in his youth. I'm sure you'll remember this exchange in Luke chapter 2. This is following the annual Passover festival in Jerusalem, when Joseph and Mary find their 12-year-old son Jesus in the temple, absolutely blowing the minds of the religious leaders with his stunning words. His mother gets his attention and says to him in verse 48, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been searching for you everywhere. And he said to them, Why did you need to search for me? Didn't you know that I must be, I have to be about my father's business? The very first words the entire world hears from Jesus, those recorded in the Bible, Those introductory words spoken to every generation over the last 2,000 years, they specifically define his sole purpose and mission on earth, which was to do the business of his father. Many years later, he would confirm those words when he told his disciples in John chapter 4, verse 34. My food, my very nourishment, is to do the will of him who sent me the business of his father. I borrowed these next few words from a sermon again by the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon, which he delivered on March 15, 1857. Here's what he said about this same subject. And I quote, The Spirit of Christ was a spirit of undivided consecration to the will of God his Father. It was a spirit urged onward by an absolute necessity to serve God. Note the word, must. Did you not know that I 
must? So Jesus is saying about himself, there is something in me which prevents me from doing any other work. Jesus is telling us, I feel an all-controlling, overwhelming influence which constrains me at all times and in every place to be about my Father's business. The spirit of high, holy, entire, sincere, determined concentration and heart to God. Didn't you know that I must be about my Father's business? Just what was the impelling power which made Christ say, I must be about my Father's business? In the first place, it was the spirit of obedience which thoroughly possessed itself in his bosom. When he took upon him the form of a servant, he received the spirit of an obedient servant too, and became as perfect in the capacity of a servant on earth as he had ever been in that of a ruler in heaven. Second, Christ had another motive for this, another compelling cause. He had a sacred call to the work which he had undertaken, and that secret call forced him on. And third, Christ had a vow upon him, the vow to do the work from all eternity. He had become the surety of the covenant. He had sworn that he would execute his father's business. In closing, Spurgeon said this, I need say no more except to bid you remember that you owe so much to Christ for having saved you from hell. You owe so much to that blood which redeemed you that you are in duty bound to say, Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Go out now, and if you are tempted by the world, may the Spirit enable you to reply, I must be about my Father's business. Go out. And if they call you fanatical, let them laugh at you as much as they like. Tell them you must be about your father's business. Go on and conquer. God be with you. Pretty straight talker, Mr. Spurgeon was. My take on that? Jesus set the example. Now do what he did. There are ten passages in the New Testament from three different apostles collectively that suggest, wait, no, they instruct us, they tell us, dare I say, command us to be imitators of Jesus. And that would start with being all about our Father's business. The apostles weren't the only ones with that mindset. The Bible is full of examples of men and women who made God's business their sole purpose and mission. There's one that comes to my mind today. She's not spoken of very often, and I don't know why, because she was a powerhouse of a leader in Israel during the time of the judges, before the country got its first king. In fact, she was a judge, the only one of 12 judges that was a woman. Her name was Deborah which in the Hebrew language means bee, you know, like a honey bee. And when you read Judges chapter 4 and 5, I encourage you to do that, you'll find she was as busy, as focused, and as determined as a bee, doing God's business. Deborah was also a prophet. Chapter 4 verse 4 says that. The only other person, by the way, who is referred to as both a judge and a prophet in the Bible is Samuel. Verse 5 goes on to say, 
She held court under the palm of Deborah, and the Israelites went to her to have their disputes decided. The balance of chapter 4 shows her in action, passionately dedicated and submitted to God's kingdom business. By receiving and delivering words from God, she led Israel into a major military victory to free them from oppression under the Canaanites. Deborah has been called the worshiping warrior, as all of chapter 5 shows her giving God all the credit for the victory in her worshipful response called the Song of Deborah. Thanks to this woman's passionate dedication to God and his business, Israel was freed from bondage and then enjoyed complete peace for the next 40 years. And that story of Deborah brings me back to that very special person who I had lunch with at that conference in Niagara Falls nearly 35 years ago. It was the first and would be the only time that I would ever spend with Joy Dawson, and it was an honor. I think there may be a few people listening today who, unlike me, have known this special lady at a very deep and meaningful level for a very long time. How blessed they have been to live and work alongside this amazing, out-of-the-ordinary Deborah-like woman. In fact, one of the several books she wrote was entitled Forever Ruined for the Ordinary, The Adventure of Hearing and Obeying the Voice of God. Since 1970, New Zealand-born Joy Dawson faithfully delivered that message, and others like it, during countless mission trips around the world, speaking on YWAM bases, at leadership conferences, on radio and television, and in many other settings in over 55 nations. Her straight-from-God messages were like no others Kathy and I had ever heard or read. And by every report I've heard, Joy Dawson always lived out her messages. It was a must-do for her. Even during that lunch break a long time ago, I could see it on her face. She was centered on her father's business. And like Deborah, she was a prophetic warrior who shouted his words on the battlefield. That, I'm sure, is why many of her closest admirers referred to Joy as one of God's generals. You know, back in the day, when I was a base director, if I would have called General Dawson to ask her to speak at our Montana YWAM base, I know the first thing she would have asked me would have been, did God tell you to call me? Did you pray about this before you called? <laughs> and my answer better have been, yes, ma'am. She was always about her father's business. About a week ago, about the same time I was praying about the subject of today's episode, I learned that on July 21st, at 4.30 in the morning, at the age of 96, Joy Dawson peacefully walked up the road to her father's house. These next few words were passed along to many of us who were so changed by her life. In her last moments, as Jill, her daughter, held one hand, Joy raised her other arm up to heaven. Wow. So very beautifully fitting. She was always pointing others in that direction. Like Deborah, and like her Lord Jesus, she just 
had to. Dear friend, that's what it's all about. All of God's daughters and all of God's sons are moving in the direction of the Father's house in the homeland. And as we walk down the path He's put before us, He has important things for us to take care of for Him. Remember, there is an awesome reward ahead. In the meanwhile, we must be about our Father's business. We must do this. Dear Jesus, you did exactly what you had to do, and you were the perfect example for us to follow. Dear Holy Spirit, this dear friend and I constantly need your help, your guidance. Please give us supernatural understanding and wisdom in order for us to successfully accomplish the business of our dear Father. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.